Hey, it's Carmen DeFalco from ESPN in Chicago, and you're listening to The Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Chad, another special edition of The Friendly Confines, and what a cool guest we have this week. From the Baseball Hall of Fame, the newest president, Josh Rowich, comes by and chats with us about his new position and it is a really cool story how we were able to get josh on this episode i love it ryan and uh such great insights i mean legit the president of the national baseball hall of fame once again just another great guest and for our newer listeners um the longtime listeners know this every um opportunity we get when we have these interviews we can only show a snippet of it or listen uh, share a snippet of it in the seventh inning so this is our opportunity to share the unedited version all the all the fun stuff Um, And we definitely weren't disappointed by the extended interview with Josh. Yeah, we certainly weren't. And just for our listeners to give them a little bit of an insight to how this all went down. I've known Josh, or at least from a distance, knew him when he was in college. So we're talking about in the 90s, Chad. And I reached out to him, told him that we had a mutual friend in common. He remembered and he was glad to sit down with us and chat with us about his new position and kind of how to bring a younger audience to love the game of baseball. And he had some really cool things to say about that. So without any further ado, here's our interview with Baseball Hall of Fame President Josh Rowich in this special edition of the Friendly Confines. When was your official first day? Well, technically it hasn't happened yet, actually. I came out this weekend mainly just to kind of shadow Jeff Eidelson, my predecessor, for the awards presentation this weekend. Um, so I was here basically four days, literally just watching. Um, I'm heading back to Arizona tomorrow, and then uh, my family and I move across country pretty soon, and we'll be uh, mid-August getting going. So this is kind of a cool uh situation to talk to you uh because first i want to talk to you obviously how this all came about that's my first question but for you know some of our listeners and josh probably doesn't even remember this but i i knew josh from a distance when he was about 20 years old at indiana university through a mutual friend and to see now that josh has become the baseball hall of fame president is is a pretty cool moment to uh actually see what you've been able to accomplish Josh so it, it, it's pretty surreal so first question I wanted to ask you is just kind of how this all came about for you um, for people that you know may not know your background you worked on the uh, communication side with the Dodgers with the Diamondbacks how did it now come about for you to uh, work and become president of the Baseball Hall of Fame we'll start there well, first of all, it's really cool. I'm excited to hear maybe off air how we how we randomly connected uh, 25 years ago. But that I think has been the coolest part of this has been um, having so many people for, that have known me for 20, 30, 40 years reaching out, and, and it is very, very cool. Um, what, it really basically came about with Jeff Idelson reaching out to me. Uh, he's the interim president right now. He was president for about 10 years, uh, from about 20, I don't know, 2009 to, to 2019, and then he retired. And when Tim Mead came out um, and, and announced he was leaving, I had heard from Jeff Idelson, who just felt like, you know, I think you might be a, a good fit for this role. And I, I've gotten to know Jeff pretty well over the years, but I can't say I have really given a whole lot of thought to this sort of position. Um, but when you think of baseball heaven and you think of the greatest places for our sport, um, 
this is truly it. This is literally the Mecca, the place that everybody has on their bucket list. And so um, started really taking seriously, thinking about it. Um, obviously have family considerations. My wife grew up on the East Coast, uh, not too far from here. So that was helpful. And then uh, went through the process and somehow landed the position. So to be the eighth president named in the history of this organization, when you kind of let that wash over you, what, what does that mean when you think of just what this uh, represents and what this you know organization means to the history of the game? It's, it's mind-blowing. I mean, I, I can't really put into words when you think of how long this has been around and to only have had eight presidents. And um, actually, the other day, they, they had introduced Rob Manfred, I want to say, as the 10th commissioner of baseball. And I just thought, God, that's crazy. There's, there's actually been more president, commissioners of baseball than presidents of the Hall of Fame. And it, it really hit me yesterday. For anybody that's been here, um, they actually added a, a new movie to the theater um, a couple of years ago. It's about a 20-minute movie, and it's filled with Hall of Famers and just the stories of, of baseball. And it, I mean, to, it, it actually, it truly got me emotional. I kind of walked into the, into the theater. I sat down, I watched all these families pile in around me and I'm just sitting by myself in the back. And, and I seriously started tearing up as I was watching this thing. I'm like, I can't actually believe that this is, this is where my career has taken me. And I'm just very, very grateful and humbled by the opportunity. I think a lot of people wonder, Josh, me included, and I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan. And I think maybe people in their minds have this kind of, uh, um, you know, overall perspective, but maybe not the 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 uh, specific view. What does the role of the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame do on a day to day basis? Well, it's been explained to me basically as three primary things. One, it's a it's a between 80 and 100 person company. So just like any other company, the president obviously is going to oversee the leadership team and provide direction and whatnot um, with with the board of directors really being the ones that that hired me um, carry out their vision. So there's the company itself from the museum to the, to the shop, to the admissions, to the sponsorship, all the things that any company would do. Um, but then the other really important things are, are fundraising. We are a nonprofit. So going out and finding donors who, who are interested in supporting the mission of the Hall of Fame is gonna be a big part of what I do. And then possibly the biggest thing is really relationships-based. I think in a lot of ways, that's why they wanted somebody who'd been in baseball. Um, it's interacting with the 72 living Hall of Famers and the team owners, team presidents, key people all around the league and being able to um, I'll travel to all of the major events, but really just building that sort of connection between this little village here in central New York and the other 30 cities where Major League Baseball takes place. And I guess it's not 30 cities, but 30 teams. And so those are really the main parts of the job. And um, they're all kind of equally as important, but I'm, I'm just I'm beyond excited to get going with it. Josh, do you have any input as president as far as um, voting or percentages of players getting into the hall or potentially players deserving to get into the hall? Do you have any role in that at all as president? Well, you would think from reading comments on social media that I'm like the lone soldier who gets to decide it all because I've seen a lot of people uh, who think I'm now suddenly got control over a lot. But no, ultimately, um, I think most, most people would know that the BBWA is ultimately who decides during the first 10 years of somebody's eligibility. Um, I will have a role in many ways of helping um, create the era committees and who is on the various committees that will look back, used to be referred to as the veterans committees, but um, I think I'll play a small role along with several others in terms of who the people are that will put those, um, those others into the hall down the road. Um, but no, I wouldn't say individually that any sort of significant part of my job is, is helping decide who gets in. I think that's left to far more qualified people. 
just in your opinion, have you given any thought as, as we see the shift of what the numbers used to mean and what they maybe mean now comparatively um, to uh, how people determine get into the Hall of Fame at all compared to how it used to be maybe 30, 40 years ago to now? Is that something you think about or have given any thought to, if that makes sense? Yeah. Are you talking about numbers on the field specifically? Correct. Like yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. We were having a conversation a couple of nights ago with, in fact, like literally about six feet behind where I was sitting um, with, with another person from the, from the hall of fame staff and somebody from MLB and just the fact that, that, that the way pitching has changed is going, it, it almost certainly is going to change. There's not going to be as many wins or complete games or strikeouts and all that sort of stuff, I think, will definitely be taken into account by the electorate. Um, the writers do a, an amazing job, obviously, of taking this very, very seriously. And so the, the majority of people who, once they've passed that five-year waiting period and they're on the ballot for 10 years, um, probably not likely that we're going to see a lot of 300-game winners or even 3,000 strikeout guys. It's just it's, it's the numbers in totality don't quite add up as much. And then obviously, as the as the baseball writer has changed quite a bit and you start to see people paying attention to um, just more data, I got to believe that that will be what they take into account. But part of the best part of this is that it's a democracy and everybody gets this one vote and they all their vote all counts the same. Um, and that's how I think ultimately it should be. Let's talk about the actual museum portion of this. What ideas um, that you have going into this would you like to implement to enhance the Hall of Fame experience for visitors when they come to Cooperstown? Well, I'll put a caveat on it, on it by saying that um, I haven't been able to spend a ton of time inside the museum yet because I haven't actually started. So certainly as time goes on, I will, I'm sure I will have additional ideas. I'm going to tap into the staff who's been here for a long time to see what things they've wanted to try and maybe haven't been able to pull off yet. But I think the biggest, the biggest word that I've discussed a lot with Jane Forbes Clark is just relevance, making sure that we're staying relevant for the next generation of baseball fans. And that includes, I walked around with my son here um, for the first time about 10 days ago, and he immediately, he's 11 years old, and he immediately gravitated to the, the touch screens and make your own baseball cards. And so while the artifacts and stories and all those things are incredibly important and will be for hundreds of years to come, it's also making sure that the way that they're presented continue to be of interest to um, the next generation of baseball fan. And I literally, right before we started this, I had a, there's a, there's a, thousands of kids who come every summer as part of a baseball tournament here in Cooperstown. And I just saw a full team of them swimming in the pool over, over there. And I just thought to myself, the way they're looking at this museum is totally different than the way my dad does and the way my grandfather did. Um, and so I think it's just trying to figure out what those things are and making sure that we can fund them and making sure that we're telling the stories of everything that's happened in our game. That's what it's all about. So you kind of alluded to my next question perfectly. And it's a great segue. And, and you talked about the younger generation of kids um, that may not be exposed to the, the game of baseball the way that you and I were or our parents were or our grandparents were. So with that being said, in your opinion, how do you get this younger generation? You know, you kind of talked a little bit about it, but how do you get this younger generation of kids to have that same love that someone like yourself and I and older generations have had in the past? I mean, a lot of it really is through technology. I mean, there's no question that my son experiences the game differently. Um, he's He watches YouTube nonstop, and we actually just launched a new YouTube series. I apologize, by the way. I should, I decided to do this outside, and I don't know if you can hear the lawnmower, but they're mowing the lawn here at the Otisaga. So I, I actually can, so you're good. You're good. If it's too loud, good. Um, but so, I mean, you, the new YouTube series that we launched, I think, is a big part of it um, that, that you can find on the Hall of Fame's YouTube page. It's 
things like video games. I mean, my son plays endless amounts of MLB The Show, and I was it, he talks about Hall of Famers because that that's how he sees them through through there. And he's grown to just love the game differently, probably in shorter spurts. That's one of the things that's not up to us. It's up to Major League Baseball to figure out how we continue to kind of keep our game relevant, not just the history of the game relevant, but all the various rules they're considering doing. I think those are all really important, but certainly here, um, it's technology. It's that's, that's what they are wanting to do. It's social media. It's making sure that we're on the cutting edge of all of those things. Um, and with it, it takes money to do that. So we're, that's, that's in a lot of ways when you're a nonprofit, you've got to figure out how to fund those technology. But I'll, a good example actually may be um, the baseball card exhibit that's currently in the Hall of Fame. Again, if you, my son, I tried to get him into baseball cards themselves. He's, he's got a collection, but he's not into it the way I was or the way my father was. But he still thought it was really cool to look at the exhibit and then ultimately make baseball cards of himself. You walk over to the screen, you hit a button, and the next thing you know, it's email, you, you have your baseball cards emailed to you. And you're on 86 tops and you're on 2019 tops cards. And so I think it's those sorts of things, many of which the hall has already started doing. I'm, I'm looking forward to just bringing a fresh perspective, um, just like anybody who would come in new anywhere, um, things that maybe either they haven't thought of or that we just have to get creative, or in a lot of cases, um, things that they have thought of that now we can try to green light and make happen. Do you remember the first time you went to Cooperstown as a kid and what that experience was like for you? And is that something you've actually reflected on once you were in the position you're in now? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, for me, I wasn't a kid. Interestingly, I was, it was 2001 when I went, um, I was in New York for my nieces. Uh, my niece was born and my father and I just drove up for the day and spent the time just walking around the village and, and going in and out of the exhibits and um, hitting in the batting cage right next to Double Day Field. I mean, the whole thing, I, it, it's so vivid in my memory. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't able to come back again until basically 2014, I came back for the induction ceremony of Joe Torre and Tony La Russa. And then again in 2015 with Randy Johnson and um, all those emotions. I mean, there's so many different, I'll, I'll give it yesterday. This is pretty amazing. Yesterday um, I, I finished watching that movie. I'm literally, I called my wife. I'm like, I can't believe how crazy this is that I'm in this job. It's so cool. Um, and then I walk into the plaque gallery and I see this, this guy is standing in front of the Derek Jeter uh, wall that they have for the four new inductees. Um, and he's standing with his Jeter Jersey back, back to me. And he's got a little kid in his arms with a little Jeter jersey on. And he's staring at the wall in front of him and somebody's taking a picture of them. And it was the ultimate like connecting generations, one of the things that we try to do here. And so I just kind of made a passing comment like, oh, man, what an amazing photo that is. And they laughed and I walked on and I, I walked over to Walter O'Malley's plaque, who was ultimately the family that I started under at the Dodgers. Um, and I'm standing there looking at it. And the guy with the Jeter jersey comes up to me and he said, are you Josh Rawich? And I said, yeah. And he said, I actually met you 20, 15, 20 years ago at Dodger Stadium. And, and so you just, you realize how small our game is um, and just how, how cool. I mean, this guy had never been to Cooperstown, was dying to show his kid. He came because he thought Jeter was going to be inducted this weekend. And even when that unfortunately got postponed, he still sent me a note. I asked him to send me that photo because I just loved it. And he just said, I had the most amazing time. And so to work at a place where everybody has a bucket list to come hang out at your office, it's just, it's really hard to believe. Well, and, and it's kind of interesting you bring that up. And I'm curious about this because you're probably the first president of a generation for this uh, organization where social media plays such a huge role now in how we connect with people. Um, how active 
and how important is that to as for you as the president to maybe interact with fans on social media and to kind of be visible as the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame? I think it's really critical. And, and I've been fortunate that um, it was quite some time ago that, that some few people who were early on in the, the social media world kind of convinced me to get into it. And so I think I, certainly at the Dodgers, I saw the power. I remember in the early days hitting posting something on Facebook and watching in real time as the number of people and I was just, man, this is, this is, this is something here. And certainly the last decade at the, at the Diamondbacks, we've really tried to enhance our presence there. So um, it will be a huge, huge part of what we continue to do here and make sure that um, we're, we're providing younger fans and an ability to interact, not just certainly with me. I mean, there's only so much that one person can do, but the, the actual accounts of the hall of fame and make sure they're following it and that the content is interesting um, all of that stuff is a huge part of what we're going to do. And once again, our thanks to Josh Rowich of the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can find so him fun. on Twitter at Josh Rowich. So be sure to check him out there. And Chad, you know, if we ever make it up to the Baseball Hall of Fame, now we have a reason to go up there. We can introduce ourselves face to face to Josh and maybe he can give us a private tour. I love that every time we get one of these these uh, these interviews, we're like, we got a guy now. I mean, you remember that time where I was I was I was texting Chris Myers while he was broadcasting the Cubs game on the Marquee Network. I mean, he's texting me get back while I'm at the game while he's broadcasting. We got guys, and so I can't wait to to have a chance to get up there um, in Cooperstown. That'll be great to to connect with Josh face to face. So once again, our thanks to Josh Rawitz for joining us, and thanks of course to you for listening. For Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have See a good See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into Wrigley.